Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophia. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week on Every Rom-Com, we're making the Yuletide gay with a look at Netflix's first Christmas rom-com featuring a gay couple. We'll talk about the movie's star-studded cast, including Michael Urie, Jennifer Coolidge, Kathy Najimy, and promising newcomer Philemon Chambers. And we'll discuss Christmas rom-com tropes as we talk about one of this month's most popular new releases, Single All the Way. Hey, Sophia. Hi, Jen. Welcome to, to your first of the Christmas rom-com series. Love. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. We're on the third episode now. And on the other two episodes, we've been talking about, um, like, what are your favorite Christmas movies? And I've already kind of told mine. But, like, I kind of wanted to find out, like, what are your Christmas movies? Or what are you going to watch this year, maybe, that you're excited um, about? Gosh. Um, you know, long-standing favorite Christmas is White Christmas. Just love all mm. that singing and dancing. Um, and and it's, I think, a sweet story as well. And so that one's a longtime favorite. What am I going to watch this year? I might rewatch one that I'm going to recommend later because um, I watched it a few years ago and then I'm ready to rewatch it again. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Oh, uh, <laughs> Uh, the spirit of Christmas. It's okay. You know, I can. I do enjoy my holiday. You know, rom com, but like mm -hmm. one. You know, I okay. couldn't sit down and watch like a marathon of these films. Oh my gosh, honest. I've watched so many between last year and this year. Like preparing for the podcast, I've watched so many. So we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> yeah, that's and, funny. Um, how about your daughter? Is there any Christmas thing that you like to watch with her? So she, we've been watching um, the Christmas Chronicles. I've really, I've enjoyed both of them. What else? She, I really am fascinated that she likes the, what is that? The claim, the claymation Rudolph. Oh yeah. You know? I like that too. I'm a big fan of that. I yeah. was never a big fan of like the Jack Frost or the, oh, um, no. uh, and oh, that one. Frosty the Snowman. Frosty you mean? the yeah. Snowman. Yeah. Thought they were weird. She likes it. So I'm like, yeah. rock and roll. I love Charlie Brown Christmas is a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're doing White Christmas next week. Actually, we're talking about that. But I think you're at work while we're, we're doing that one. So, uh, But we'll be putting that one out. And um, yeah, like as to me, I'm going to be watching upcoming. I'm going to be watching Rudolph because I just got that on hold at the library. Nice. And I don't think my husband's is into it either, but I just love like the Island of Misfit Toys and the Abominable Snowman and all of that. I love that. And then um, also we just rented um, Krampus from the library too. We're going to get that. And that's like a holiday horror movie and it's got like Adam Scott. And I think Tony Collette is in that too, if I'm, if I remember Ooh. correctly. Yeah. Okay. It looks really intriguing. I like holiday horror movies too, like Black Christmas and that kind of thing as well. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? I never would have thought of that. And I'm, of course, there's ho there's got to be holiday horror oh, films. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, 
I've Christmas not horror. at all tapped into that <laughs> I don't know if it would be for you or not. I don't know, but no. it's fun. I think it's fun. Um, and like, what are what are some of your like favorite Christmas activities or traditions that you're going to be doing upcoming? Oh, you know, growing up, my family that you know, you know, we there really wasn't much of a tradition. You know, we we just didn't, uh, you know, there was like the presents and maybe a nice dinner or whatever, but, um, my husband's side of the family. Okay. I'll tell you what I've watched every year for the past 16 years. George C. Scott's, uh, Christmas Carol. We watched that, that one. Every, huh? That oh, yeah. one. Yes. I think we've tried once or twice to be, to like a different version and yeah. like, we can't handle it. We watched the Picard Weird. one. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm either yeah. Alistair Sims or I'm Muppets Christmas Carol, but I've never even watched uh, the George C. Scott one. So, oh huh. man, it's well, it's for fun now. And yeah, now that my my father in law's passed and uh, the childhood house has been sold, we're gonna have Christmas at my house this year. And mm. I asked my husband, I'm like, what of those traditions? Like they did a whole thing and just so much fun. Um, he's like, we're keeping the movie. I'm like, all right, <laughs> we're gonna keep the movie. That's fine. Yeah. Because every year I'm like, again, and he's like, yes, we're watching it again. So, yeah, we always, my family watched my dad's parents. We would go to his house and we would watch, um, uh, like a Chris, the Christmas story. I can't remember if it's called. Oh yeah. I love the Christmas story with Ralphie and the, you'll shoot your eye out and all that. And like, I didn't watch it for a number of years, but I think this year I need to watch it again just because it's the the thing we used to do. So, Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we're ready to get into the movie. Um, but before before we get started with today's episode, just a reminder. So as usual, we're going to have a spoiler-free section at the beginning of the episode, and we will let you know when the spoiler section begins. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Rom-Com podcast and blog our instagram is at every rom-com and our twitter handle is every rom-com pod and as always you can find the podcast at every send us feedback at feedback at every and if you like what you hear please rate review and subscribe to us on apple podcasts and now we're going to listen to a little bit of the trailer actually i think we're going to listen to the whole trailer for a single all the way Christmas is a big deal for my family. And every year, I'm this problem they all have to solve. Because I'm always the single one. I think you should come home with me. We can pretend we fell in love after all these years. <laughs> but it was so easy. My family already asked why we're not just together. All right. <gasps> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Slay Queen Carol? You have to call her Christmas Carol. How did I not know your mom had a holiday-specific drag name? You get a parent. You get a parent. Who am I? Oprah. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, of course you guys do that. Your family really wants you to have a relationship. Yes, I know. That's very clear. So my early Christmas present for you is a blind date. I love it. He loves it. You're going. You're going. Where are you going? <laughs> He's going on a blind date. Like from Grinder. Oh, my God. <laughs> I uh, was thinking we could grab a cup of coffee. You probably thought you were going on a date with the hottest, smartest, funniest, coolest, most interesting person who was ever born. Maybe I am. My date with James went well. Oh, I'm so happy. That is so great. 
I always thought that you and Peter should be together. Well, I'm his best friend. Well, my wife is my best friend in the whole world. Get dressed and get cute. Such a pusher. On that gay apparel. Shut up. People who look at each other like that are not just friends. Nick and Peter want to make out. They should make out. Oh, that's good. Nick is a 10. And Peter is a 10 in New Hampshire. These stars came with the trees. I love them. I do, too. The girls are in my bed. Of course they are. You have feelings for him. If Nick and I ever went there and didn't work out, I would lose him. But what if it did work out? The gays just know how to do stuff. For some reason... You're always obsessed with me. It was really hard not to laugh at the Jennifer Coolidge parts. Like, I'm not even a huge fan of hers, but like in this movie, like just the more I watch this movie and I've watched like three or four times now, she gets funnier every time. She's (laughs) hilarious. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And I think it's a very effective trailer. Like it really made me want to see the movie personally. I don't know. Like, did you watch the trailer before the movie or? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that looks cute. And Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Oh, did made me want yeah, to watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Like the cast is really good too, and we'll get into talking about them in just a little bit here. But I think the mm-hmm. a trailer does like a fairly good job of explaining the movie. Although I think the fake dating angle that you think you're going to get is like way less emphasized than right. in the movie. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. So. Some basic information about Single All the Way. So it just came out on um, December second, twenty twenty one, on Netflix. And it's directed by Michael Mayer, written by Chad Hodge, and starring Michael Yuri, Philemon Chambers, Jennifer Coolidge, and Kathy Najimy. Um, and the basic premise is about, you know, eternally single Peter is excited to take a boyfriend home for Christmas, only to find out that this boyfriend is married to a woman. And feeling dejected, he asks his best friend and roommate Nick to come home with him for Christmas and pretend to be his boyfriend. Nick comes home with Peter, but before they can start the dating ruse, they find out that Peter's mom has set him up on a blind date with an instructor from her gym. And Peter goes on the date with hot instructor, but other members of Peter's family begin to conspire to set him up with Nick instead. Yeah. So some interesting facts about the movie. Um, Many of the cast and crew on this movie, including the two lead actors, the other potential male love interest and the writer and director are gay men. So it kind of brought a level of representation and authenticity to the project that I think was really appreciated. Um, The movie was filmed in Montreal and um, this is Netflix's first gay Christmas rom-com. Although I will put in that the uh, rom-com, the ensemble rom-com let it snow did have a love story with two girls like in the ensemble cast, but this is the first one just focusing on a gay couple. Okay. And then um, I don't have a ton of facts about this movie in particular, but I did kind of do some research on gay Christmas rom-coms in general. Um, Netflix is really pushing this movie as if it's like the first like to do this. And it's not. Although I will say that Netflix is a very high profile platform. So it is really kind of groundbreaking to have this one out. Um, but there have been some other gay and lesbian Christmas rom-coms in recent years. So I found an article um, particularly that told about a number of them, which I'll put in the show notes. So first of all, in 2019, 
There was Season of Love, which according to Paste Magazine is, quote, regarded as the lesbian love actually, end quote. And I totally want to see that now. <laughs> like anything that's billed as that, that sounds interesting. And they also recommended from uh, 2019 also City of Trees, which is an indie film with a lesbian couple at Christmas. And then in 2020, Hallmark released The Christmas House, which I tried to watch, but like there were so many people in line for a hold on that at the library. It was ridiculous. So I guess people must have liked it or at least be curious about it. And that's a has a gay love story in it. And then Lifetime also released last year The Christmas Setup which I was able to see. I was able to rent it for 99 cents on Prime. And um, yeah, that was also a gay love story and kind of cute. I'll talk about that more later. And then last year, Hulu released Happiest Season with a lesbian couple, including Kristen Stewart. And that's probably the most high profile gay or lesbian rom-com that was released up to this point. And then also in 2020, there was Dashing in December, which is a gay Christmas rom-com set at a ranch. And I'm like, that sounds like it hits a lot of tropes right there. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. The the Christmas ranch rom-com, man. I got to see that. Also this year in 2021, Lifetime is releasing its first lesbian holiday rom-com, which is Under the Christmas Tree. And again, they did the Christmas setup last year. And there's also a movie called Christmas at the Ranch with a lesbian couple being released this year. So yeah, we're getting more of these and we're getting them kind of like all coming out. Like this is like the new thing, which is good because mm-hmm. I mean, it's about time really. Right. Have you have you seen any of the that like list that I've seen or any additional ones that I missed on my list? Uh, I saw Happy Season last year and I enjoyed that. Cool, cool. Amazing, amazing cast. Yeah, another really high profile and good cast. Yeah, which Mm -hmm. is something that shares in common with this movie, for sure. So, but unlike um, Happiest Season, which had a fair amount of kind of angst and like a coming out angle to it, like uh, this movie is kind of angst free and it's kind of existing in this kind of world that's free of homophobia, where the family is very accepting of the gay son. And so like that was something that the cast is bringing up a lot in interviews um, Michael Yuri did an interview with Pink News in particular that I'm going to quote from here. So he said it was really important to him to have an angst-free movie. He said, quote, we're going to be sharing a story about Christmas, about two gay men, and about a family in a town that are not homophobic, where there is no shame around being gay. It tells a story that isn't about coming out of the closet or any kind of trauma. It's just a guy who has been single and his family wants him to be coupled. That is so universal. There are already many holiday films about that. And now we have one about gay people that is hilarious and sweet and charming. And then he also added, quote, maybe somebody's family will watch this movie and see what Christmas can be like without any homophobia, without any worrying about what somebody thinks, where affection is universal and where someone like a character like Nick could get advice about love from someone like Barry Bostwick, an old white straight man. That is a beautiful thing. And that is something I'm very excited we're going to put out in the world because it's something we haven't seen yet, end quote. And like, I think, you know, when I watched Happiest Season, I really appreciated like, you know, like the high production values and the cast, as you say. Yeah. And I thought it was a well-told story in some ways, but like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a purely feel-good film either, right. <laughs> like without spoiling it. Like, yeah, it's, um, it wasn't a situation where the family was totally accepting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I had a I think this is this kind of film, um, single all the way, 
it's probably more the kind of film you want to sit around and drink a cup of hot chocolate with, with your family. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think that was probably an element in single, in happy season where I was like, I hate to call that a trope, but it felt like it was um, a bummer. Actually, that part was a bummer, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that it, um, this, very funny film and you know yes everything you said the great cast and the production value and all that um went with that angle but it was also really lovely too yeah and the cast like you know single all the way isn't saying like oh that those films shouldn't exist too like there's definitely respect for like different stories of coming out or dealing yeah. with homophobia but it's just like it's nice to also have these feel-good films i guess and um I, they're not strictly correct that this is the first we've seen because like the other ones I mentioned earlier, the Lifetime and Hallmark and et cetera, mm. those, some of those were also happy and accepting stories. But yeah, Netflix is a much bigger platform and I hadn't heard of any of those pictures until I specifically went researching on it. So I would, wouldn't be surprised if Michael Yuri wasn't familiar with them either. So. So then I guess we'll introduce the cast and crew of this film. There are so many cool people made, who made this movie. We're already telling about a lot of them. I wish we could tell all of them, but we just don't have the time. So, yeah. But we will talk about the director, uh, Michael Mayer. Um, his first IMDb credit is Sideman from 1999. And the most well-known credit he has in the rom-com world, other than this movie, is as an executive producer on 27 dresses from 2008 um other films he's directed include at home at the end of the world flicka and the seagull um he's more prominent in the theater world he won a tony in 2007 mm -hmm. for spring awakening um and other work on broadway shows include thoroughly modern millie uh, the Line in Winter, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and the first Broadway production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, he also co-wrote the book and directed American Idiot based on the Green Day album. And he's also directed opera. All right. So I'm going to talk about then the screenwriter, Chad Hodge. And his first IMDb credit is for writing for the TV series University Place in 1998. Um, I was able to see some of his early work, so I went and hunted down 2004's TV movie, I Want to Marry Ryan Banks. It's also sometimes listed as The Reality of Love, and I actually really recommend this movie. Um, it's well-written, and it's an early appearance by Bradley Cooper. It was written for, like, TV. Yeah, okay. but it's really well done. So Chad Hodge also wrote and served as a creator on the TV series The Playboy Club, Wayward Pines, and Good Behavior. In 2016, he co-wrote the book for the Broadway adaptation of Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn. And in 2018, he wrote the script for The Darkest Minds. And Chad Hodge became near and dear to my heart when he said that When Harry Met Sally is one of his favorite movies, and he called it, quote, the ultimate rom-com, end quote. Oh. So yeah, if anyone else who agrees with me that that's the ultimate rom-com automatically, I feel like, you know, yeah, you get me, Chad Hodge. We understand each other. So <laughs> so Chad Hodge, Chad Hodge came from like a very supportive family. And so when he set out to make the, write this rom-com, 
he wanted to write a gay rom-com which reflected his experience, like experience of people who came from an accepting family. He wanted to write a happy rom-com without a lot of angst relating to being gay. Like he wanted that not to be a factor, but he also wanted to make it kind of more of a specifically uh, gay movie where like you couldn't just like swap in a straight couple and have it be the same movie. So he just wanted to put in little bits of gay culture into the movie. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I think it worked. Yeah. And Right now, he's in pre-production on a film called Anita, which he's writing and directing. And that's going to be about the anti-gay activist Anita Bryant. So that should be interesting. And I look forward to seeing what else Chad Hodge does in the future, because I think the script is one of the strongest aspects of the film. Okay. Uh, And then uh, Michael Urey plays Peter. Um, He's our protagonist. He's most well known for playing Mark St. James on Ugly Betty uh, for 2006 to 2010 and a spinoff called Mode After Hours. Other works include The Decoy Bride, the TV show Younger from 2016 to 2021, and a movie called Swan Song from this year, 2021, with Jennifer Coolidge. He also directed He's Way More Famous Than You, which he also appears in, and his two projects in post-production, Jersey Boys Live and Summoning Sylvia. Okay, so I'm going to introduce Philemon Chambers, and he is basically a newcomer. This is his feature debut, and his only other IMDb credit is for the short of Hearts and Castles. But I'm going to add this. I'm Articles that I've read or interviews I've read have said that he has also made small appearances on TV shows. So I don't know like why they're not on IMDb. Maybe they're such minor appearances that they don't get put there. Not sure how that works. But anyway, he's basically just a newcomer first role, like entering into the world of Hollywood, which is pretty exciting, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And I thought I thought he performed very well in the movie. And I'm sure he's going to get a ton of work after this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Yeah. And so this movie was very meaningful to him. I'm going to put in the show notes um, an interview he did with Glad. And in the interview, he said, quote, I actually am now what I needed when I was younger. If I would have had these types of stories growing up, especially from a black queer standpoint, I would have accepted myself a long time ago, end quote. Yeah, and then he went on in that interview, and he's talked about this in many interviews, about how this movie doing this show actually, like, helped him to be more accepting of himself. Like he had suppressed being gay for a long time growing up. And so like this movie was like even just another level of acceptance for him doing this movie. So I thought that was really great. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very moving. Uh, We're going to move on to one of my uh, faves, Kathy Jimmy, who plays Peter's mom. Um, Her name is Carol, but she likes to go by, Christmas Carol. <laughs> she's cute. Um, she's best known for the 90s film Sister Act and Sister Act 2 and Hocus Pocus. Um, she's the voice of Peggy Hill on King of the Hill. Uh, she has appeared in several other gay themed films uh, Bear City 2, The Proposal, Bear City 3, and Dating My Mother. And she's appeared in several other Christmas TV shows, including A Christmas Melody with Mariah Carey. She recently worked on TV shows Veep and Younger, and currently filming Hocus Pocus 2 with her original co-stars Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker. 
So another another interesting um, actress in this movie, who's I think one of the big selling points really is Jennifer Coolidge uh, plays Aunt Sandy. And um, the role in this film was actually written for her. Like it appeared like Jennifer Coolidge's name appeared in the script, basically. And uh, Chad Hodge said he would have rewritten the character if Jennifer Coolidge hadn't agreed to do the film. Like that's how much he wanted her and envisioned her. So her first IMDb credit was for an episode of Seinfeld in 1993. And now I have to go back and find her in Seinfeld. (laughs) I feel like, um, her first breakout role was as Stifler's mom in 1999's American Pie, and then she appeared in several of the sequels in that series. Then in 2000, she appeared in her first Christopher Guest movie, which was Best in Show, and then she went on to appear in several of his other films, including A Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration, and Mascots. And also in 2000, she appeared in the gay rom-com The Broken Hearts Club. So both her and Najimi have like worked in gay-themed films before, which is pretty cool. And then in 2001, she had her other big breakout role, which is Paulette of Bend and Snap fame in Legally Blonde. <laughs> and she also appeared in the sequel to that. Do you like the Bend and Snap scene? <laughs> no. No? No. <laughs> I think it's pretty fun, but yeah. Um, Other things she's appeared in include A Cinderella Story in 2004, The Secret Life of the American Teenager from 2008 to 2012, Two Broke Girls from 2012 to 2017, Austinland in 2013. I think you're a fan of that, right? Yep. And then she was in this year's HBO series, The White Lotus. She did some really fantastic work on that show. So, yeah, it's been a good year for her. Um, Right now, she has a few projects in post-production, Shotgun Wedding, we have a ghost. We have a ghost was written and directed by happy death day director, Christopher Landons. We've talked about that project this recently on the podcast and she's filming a TV show called the watcher. And most excitingly, she is in pre-production on legally blonde three. So yeah, (laughs) I look forward to seeing what goes on there. She's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. She's hilarious. And then some other main cast members, Luke McFarlane plays James, the guy that Peter is set up with. Barry Bostwick plays Peter's father. And Jennifer Robertson, who's apparently on Schitt's Creek, is, mm-hmm. plays one of Peter's sisters. So, yeah, there's a deep talent in this film. Yeah, I just have to say, Luke McFarlane, he's Mr. Hallmark. He's got like... Oh, yeah? Yeah, on his IMDb, check out the list of Hallmark films. He is the... The hottie love interest in all of them. Well, nice. Yeah. Very good. Good spotting, Sophia. Now we're going to talk about, like, basically, what did we think of the movie? So, like, so first of all, like, I want to know, what did you think of the movie? Your expectations versus then seeing the movie? Um, Okay. Yeah. It looked cute was my expectation from the, the trailer. You know, gosh, they're also tropey. But I was like, I think I can handle this one. I <laughs> I love a friends to lovers story, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like does tie in with be my pretend boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. That so I think those kind of go together. Yeah, um, and I loved, you know, I love Kathy McJimmy and um jennifer courage so i was like woohoo and um jennifer robertson from schitt's creek so i was like yeah that's gonna be a fun time and it was a fun time how about you what did you think 
What was your so, expectation? Like, I was, like, very, like, um, primed to just, like, love the hell out of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I like this movie. I, right. So I think, like, my expectations were, like, very high. And then it didn't completely live up to them. So I'm going to, I've got a whole bunch of pros that I like about the movie. So it has really clever writing. There's good jokes and a good structure, I think, for the most part. I love the realistic family dynamic in the movie. Really interesting and well-developed side characters. Um, It brings in a lot of their Christmas rom-com tropes, but I like that it's like not like overly cliche. Like it plays with some of the tropes, which we can talk about later in the podcast. And it's also not too cynical. Like some Netflix rom-coms get a little too cynical. And it also, I thought this was great. I just noticed this the last time I watched through. It passes the Bechdel test, even though it's about romance between men. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's always passing the Bechdel test. Women are always talking to each other and it's not always about the men in the movie either. So I love that. And even though it's also directed and written by men and still passes the Bechdel test. So yay. Um, but the con for me, and it's a big con is that I did not feel the chemistry between the couple that I'm supposed to be rooting for, which is Peter and Nick. And that made me I, sad. Yeah. And, I'm and with it's not, you. Yeah. It yep. made me sad. I wanted to root for them. Like, all the way and like feel angst and longing and like that rom-com feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead, like, I I thought it was funny. I thought it was sweet. I, you know, yeah, but I just didn't feel that, that, that ping. I know. (laughs) Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So I am a little sad about that as well. And like later, I think we'll talk about this when we get more in the spoiler section. I'll talk about what I think could have been done differently potentially to make that happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think you had some ideas too. Maybe. Yeah. So I do want to say, though, that I've watched a lot of Netflix Christmas rom-coms and this does rate much higher than almost all of them. Okay. Like if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'm going to go over the Netflix Christmas rom-coms I have seen and tell you my ratings for them. Okay. Do it. Yeah. So... So first of all, I'm going to tell you the ones that were the worst. And these are ones that like, I kind of feel like I wasted hours of my life on. So worst ones with a rating of one on a scale of one to five are Operation Christmas Drop, Midnight at the Magnolia, which might be the worst of them all. Okay. Okay. And the Holiday Calendar, which was another friend's story where there was also no chemistry, but also that movie was absurd, made no sense and had no clever humor in it. Okay. Okay. And then at 1.5, we have Holidate. And a lot of people like Holidate, but I hated Holidate. And I think it was just because it was like too raunchy and cynical and like not sweet enough. Okay. So 1.5 on that. Then I have the bearable ones that like, you know, they're okay. I don't feel like I wasted my life, but they weren't my jam, which are at rated two, Love Hard, and which just came out this year also. And then at 2.5, The Princess Switch. I have not seen the sequels to the princess switch. There's two of them. Um, there, it was okay. It was cute, but like not my thing. And then there's like some okay, but forgettable ones like at three, let it snow holiday in the wild and the night spelled with a K before Christmas. Okay. <laughs> that one's pretty funny. Actually, the concept of the night before Christmas is funny. Cause like literally there's like this night that shows up from like medieval times or some shit. Oh, and like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay. Yeah. It's almost worth watching just for that, to be honest. But like, yeah, it's it's kind of forgettable too. And then in the coveted good rewatchable category of a four ranking, we have Single All the Way, this movie we're talking about now, and A Castle for Christmas that just came out this year with Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes. So okay. yeah, uh, I think 
single all the way is more clever, better written. And like uh, the side characters are all like very good, but a castle for Christmas, I felt the chemistry more. So, okay. It has. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's my, that's my Netflix assessment for nobody was asking for it, but you got it anyway. I think that's important. And I think that uh, (laughs) people will appreciate it. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) Have you seen like many of these or like you say you kind of limit your viewing of this type of thing? You know, I have, I think I have Midnight at the Magnolia on my queue. Uh, it's like, okay, maybe I'll get around to that, but now forget it. Um, I don't think you would like it either. It was, it okay. was one of the most clumsily written things I've ever seen in my life. I'm just and like, you know, no. Holiday is, I think is also on my queue. I know you, you've expressed that you don't like it, like, but maybe I'll give it a try, but I yeah, probably never will. But you might <laughs> like it. They have some chemistry, but it's like the humor is really raunchy okay. and kind of, oh. I don't know. It doesn't feel very Christmassy to me, even though it's always, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Princess- I think of the ones, of yeah. the ones I rated low, I think the one you're most likely to enjoy would be love hard. And Sybil oh, yeah. also really likes Sybil also really liked love hard. And that What's just that? came out I don't out this even year. know what the um, Okay. So that one has Jimmy O Yang is in it and he is kind of catfishing this girl. Um, and then she comes and surprises him to visit his family at Christmas and realizes that like, oh, he doesn't look anything like the picture he sent, but <gasps> oh, he knows the guy yes. whose picture it is. And so he agrees to try to set her up with that guy if she'll hang out, you know, at his house and pretend to be his girlfriend and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, Sybil liked it. So. Okay. I've seen Holiday in the Wild and that's actually one of my uh, recommendations from for later on. Yeah. Yeah. I like um, that. Okay. But I, I kind of forgot it, okay. it already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. I think you'd like a castle for Christmas though. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think you would, I think you would dig it. So mm-hmm. I recommend that one. Even if Carrie L was with a Scottish accent is kind of weird. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I'll watch it just for that. Just to, <laughs> just to get a, get a laugh. Anyway. All right, so we're ready to get into kind of our movie here, Single All the Way. And um, as we go through, there's a lot of Christmas rom-com tropes. And so we're going to try to call them out as we run into them. And I did, I'll I'll make a note that I got a picture of this Hallmark Christmas rom-com bingo sheet. And I tried to like get a bingo. I was not able to get a bingo, unfortunately. I was short a few things. Like there was no fireplace and like there was some other thing that I, Christmas card. There was no Christmas card. I narrowly missed a couple bingos, but there were a lot still. That Ooh, this I want that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why don't I have that in my life? You can, you can order it from Hallmark or I, what I did was I just took a screenshot of it. <laughs> nice. Or you could just make one really. I mean, like we know the tropes, but yeah. I suppose. Yeah, uh, but I won't make when I'm lazy. I'll do screenshot <laughs> too. <laughs> okay, so um, as we open the movie, we run directly into a trope, which was not on the bingo card, but we see um, men wearing sexy Santa outfits. I would call a Santa outfit a trope, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a Christmas rom com, yeah, yeah. There's always, yeah, and um, but this one is like sexy male Santas with shaving cream on their face, and they're in an ad. And like Peter is somehow like overseeing them in some way. He's not the photographer, right? Is he is he the what do you think he is? Is he the producer of this our, our ad? Is he the director? Is he just an assistant? I wasn't. He has a boss yeah. that's telling him what to do. What right. do you think? So right, I don't know. I don't know what that job is. Like there's yeah, there's a yeah, some non artistic director. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, 
not quite explained what that job is. Yeah. Anyway, like there's, this is the opening scene. You just kind of get a sense of that. He has some kind of job that involves like um, managing photo shoots, basically, you know, and he's not like very that. enthusiastic about it. Like he's no. just kind of sitting there. So we know he doesn't like his job very much. Yeah. But then he goes home and we see what he really loves. <laughs> his plants. <laughs> like, yeah. I have to say, I really enjoyed that part. Actually. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. He's talking to his plants, Linda. Yeah. The he, other one. I don't remember. Judith. 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 He named the plants. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I like that too. That was like a really nicely um, seated in character trait. I thought. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we, what we also know about Peter is that he hasn't had um, long-term relationships really. Um, he's all excited because he's been with his current boyfriend for three months and 22 days, which he tells a guy at the photo shoot. And the guy at the photo shoot kind of rolls his eyes like, oh, your longest relationship. You're like, yeah. Aren't you? So, yeah. But he does have a roommate and best friend, Nick, uh, Philemon Chambers' character. And they have known each other for nine years, apparently. Yeah. I and like- Oh, sorry. And Nick has a dog named Emmett, too. That's another important thing. Sweet, Emmett. Uh, I like the FaceTiming part with the parents. That was cute. That's how you meet them. Oh yeah, that is like my. One, that's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, <laughs> I like even how he answers the phone and like his oh, dad's yeah, like dad. Peter, Peter, and he's like, "Yes, you saw my name pop up, and you're looking at me right now." <laughs> I know, I know, I love that. That was Although, great. I am totally the dad. I still do that too. Like I answer the phone, and I still like I, I don't know, and I sometimes sign my name when I write messages to people on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the whole like the conversation they have too, like where he's trying to figure out what to get his family, and his his dad's like, "You should get your mom wine glasses because she broke them." And he's like, "How?" And his and Barry Bostick just pauses just long enough, and he said, "Wine." <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and then, then the get mo- your dad a dumpster. Yeah, that was because great. she's the mom's afraid he's become a hoarder, which is not evidenced in the movie, by the way. That was that was missing. I wanted to see that hoard when he went home, but oh. Yeah. But, but yeah. I also like that. I mean, my mom's always saying that about my dad. Your father's shit is everywhere. I don't have any things, but it's your father's. It's like, what you? <laughs> They'll never yep. hear it, so that's okay. But yeah, I just, always complaining about dad having too much stuff. Funny. Yeah, these these are very realistic parent characters and relationships. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So then we um see a plaid party i guess they go to this all the people from the photos you go to this plaid party and i guess this is a trope because it was on the hallmark um, bingo board plaid was on the bingo board and party was on the bingo board so we covered okay. two and one here yeah i don't i don't know it doesn't sound fun to me but i guess they also drink cocktails at the plaid party okay <laughs> and um at the plaid party um you see nick and peter just kind of talking to some of their gay friends. And then they're talking about um, Peter's boyfriend, like, Oh, where is he? And then we have one of those like slow-mo entrances where like the hot guy comes in, you know? Yeah. Did yes. you notice that, that they did a slow-mo? Uh, I, yes, but I completely forgot about it. So I'm it very attuned to the thing. slow-mo. Yeah. Okay. I'm very attuned to that when they, when they break that on a rom-com. So remember this for later, because we're going to talk about that later, the slow-mo. So just more about Nick. Um, Nick is a black man, which like makes this not only a gay rom-com, but like also an interracial love story, which is pretty cool. Um, he works as a task rabbit. 
And we also know that he has, though, written a children's book called Saving Emmett. So he actually has a lot of money. Um, he doesn't probably need to be a task rabbit, I guess, although maybe he's just saving that money. And so he's a responsible person. While Nick is at a job then, like hanging up these Christmas lights for someone as a task rabbit, which I guess hanging lights is also a trope, according to Hallmark. So I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So while he's at this job, he there's a woman who's talking to him and telling him the story about how the last guy who usually did their lights died falling off a roof, breaking his neck while he was hanging lights. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> that did crack me up because she's yeah. so like unconcerned about it. And meanwhile, he's on this really tall roof doing the same thing. And like, I thought that was one of the places where they really poked into the tropes. Like this yeah. really cute, adorable thing is also kind of dangerous. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and then like the, but the real kicker of the scene is when her husband c- drives up. And as soon as like another character came in to be involved in the scene, I was like, Oh, that's going to be the boyfriend. Did that did you did that set you off too? Were you like I I didn't. Okay. Yeah, you can, yeah I didn't know it. I ah, well, so, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like why else are we involving a husband in this scene? Like she's like, "Oh, there's right. my husband." And then you you see the guy get out of the car and then you see Nick registering, "Oh, that's Peter's new boyfriend." Oh, yep. shit. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so, so sad. Yeah, Nick has to go home and tell Peter the bad news. And Peter sort of despairs of finding love. And he says, I'll be a gunkle and a plant lady forever. <laughs> I loved it. That was funny. Yep. I like, I understood what a gunkle was immediately, but I don't think I've ever used that word or heard it used in my real life. Have you heard that word used in your real life before? No, but they I use it a couple of times in the film. I even have a gunkle, you know, but uh-huh. yeah, yeah, but I don't call him my gunkle. <laughs> I don't know. He's never referred to himself as that. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's a hip new thing the kids are doing. Yeah, I was going to say different times, you know. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So after, you know, Nick tells Peter he saw his boyfriend with his wife, um, Peter asks Nick to go home with him for Christmas um, as his fake date, his fake boyfriend. And uh, Nick is like, he points out, um, it's actually pretty expensive to get a ticket right now, the date. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. I Um, love that because they never, like, this always happens in these movies, okay? Like, always in these movies, there's these last-minute trips, and, like, everyone's just affording it somehow. And I'm like, seriously? Like, that would be, like, (laughs) thousands of dollars, probably. Right? So I like that finally a movie called this out. This is, like, what I would put in the script, probably. Yeah. It's too damn expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally true. But then this is the way they can explain that, you know, Peter tells Nick, you have all that money from your book that you wrote yeah. in the, about um, his dog, Emmett. And it's called Saving Emmett. It's a children's book, a best-selling children's book about his dog, which is really sweet. And kind of believable. I think that's like the kind of book that would be a bestseller. Like kids love dog books oh, about dogs. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, man, especially if there's like a sweet message. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be on our shelf. But it's like kind of sad then because then Emmett has to go to the dog hotel. Like Nick was going to have this like staycation and hang out with Emmett. And I was like all jazzed for him. And then it's like, yeah. oh, you're sending Emmett to the dog hotel. I mean, but people is, do this all the time, I guess. But I don't know. Is it a spoiler to say this is where we also learn that uh, Nick has lost what seems to be his only family, his mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not a spoiler. Yeah. We yeah. don't really hear much about it, but there's this like little 
Yeah. yeah. This little aside um, that his mom so we, is out of the picture, probably dead. Yeah. Yeah. I think she, I think she passed away. And then, yeah. but then like, there's nobody else to hang out with. There's no other family to go to. So that I think is, you know, probably a special thing for Nick to have Peter's huge family and all that and be a part of a family. I think he says that yeah. later on, doesn't he? I don't is remember. But, again? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't fine. remember. Yeah. All right. Oh, also another kind of thing that happens in films like these, that this vacation is going to be 10 days long. <laughs> yeah. Who has that vacation time? It's true. <laughs> yeah. Dude, who can afford was, the ticket and who can take all those days off? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're a task rabbit, you could, but I don't know about Peter. Yeah, like Peter himself, I don't see how he's getting that much vacation time. And like, I was watching this other Christmas rom com, gay, gay themed Christmas rom com, and they had two weeks in that one, two weeks wow. vacation. Wow. I'm like, seriously? In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think I've always had pretty good vacation, or I just oh, really? took days. Yeah. Oh, lucky you. Very good. Yeah, I really, yeah, that's credit to bosses who are really nice. Because I came home uh, for years. I was flying home for Christmas. So it was my, it was our only vacation, really. Yeah. And we would take about a week. Okay. Plus okay. we were able to like work in weekends, you know, and. Yeah. I mean, so. I've worked jobs, though, where, like, I li- had to work on Christmas, so let alone having, like, wow. you know, like, all these days off. So, I mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but that's well. very this type of movie. <laughs> yeah. And really, how else are you going to develop a story if you don't have enough time, really? So, yeah, I don't know. So, I was really excited for the the fake dating trope idea, but... um. Like the trope ends up evaporating pretty quickly. We'll get to that in just a moment. Were you disappointed that they didn't go through with the fake dating uh, business? Um. Well, I think I said earlier that I feel like the friends to lovers and fake dating kind of go together. But I guess what you, what I guess I see what you're saying because there could have been all these like. How do they hide it? You know, that they're really not together and like keep up the ruse. And, and there's also, there's, yeah, opportunities yeah. for closeness or like for being forced into situations with right. each other where it would be right. more intimate. So I think like that's really naturally lends itself to a friends to lovers. And that's why they go together so often, you know? Right. Right, and then right, you, right. when you lose that right away, you're actually putting a roadblock in the way of the couple getting together in a, in a sense. So they end up, um, they arrive in Bridgewater, New Hampshire, which I guess is a real place. I didn't bother to research it this time, but it's a real place. And Peter's mom is waiting for them. This is in the trailer. She's got uh, a a name that she gets called Christmas Carol. And she makes these handmade signs. That's like her character trait. She's always making these handmade wooden signs. And this one has on it, sleigh queen, but spelled like a Christmas sleigh. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And she, she kind of greets them and then she gives them these like reindeer headbands and she does like this Oprah impression, like, which is also in the trailer. I I like her whole intro to the movie. She's just very dynamic and funny and like kind of a little cheesy, but like in a, in a good way. Yep. Yep. I liked it. And then I also like the dynamic with the dad, like the dad wants to like fix this pipe and he wants to get like Nick to do it. 
but like the mom like they have this whole thing where yes. the mom hadn't wanted him to ask him because he's a guest and everything and it's like this whole like weird dynamic between parents it's like yeah i can't explain it well enough just watch the movie it's funny it's cute it's it, it'll it'll ring true i think for everybody there are yeah. a lot of people yep and then uh, let's see, the mom tells Peter about the setup. She's like, this is my early Christmas gift to you. I'm going to set you up with my trainer from the gym. Uh, and then <laughs> this was really funny because she kept messing it up. But she's reading a book called Loving Your LGBT Child. <laughs> like she's she's well-meaning, you know. Yeah. And she loves her son and she's going to set him up in the whole deal. And it's not like like trying to add it was funny it was just funny. yeah like that book comes in because like so peter tells her his mom that like just you know why are you trying to set me up with this random gay guy like because not every gay you know not every two gay men are going to be a good setup and she's like well i know i read that book and like the loving your lgbtt child like you said and like um which yeah like you said she keeps messing that phrase up the entire movie which is hilarious yeah. um but yeah, like then he's like wants to find a picture of um, the guy or he wants to see a picture of the guy. And she's like, oh, how do I get into Facebook again? <laughs> she's just the funniest, most clueless mom. She's pretty adorable, I thought. Yep. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Nick, and, this is my favorite part, though. Another uh, well-meaning parent who's at the same time screwing things up. Um, Nick and Peter are downstairs like with the pipe. And the dad says to Nick, like, you don't often see a, a gay handyman. Like, how did you learn to do this? And he's like, oh, YouTube, HDTV. And then these are like quotes from the movie. He says, um, what, like about HDTV, he says, what is that? The homosexual gay network? And he's serious. He's not making a joke. He's serious. And, and Nick goes, basically. And he says, oh, I'll check it out. HGTV. It's not porn, is it? And then Nick says, Kind of. <laughs> it was cute. That was, it really was funny. So cute. Yeah. I love I love that scene. And I love that like there's a movie that's like, okay, like this, like, so I've I, I on a past episode I talked about how I like something like Alex Strangelove more than Love Simon, because um Alex Strangelove showed kind of a realistic portrayal of being a gay teen in school, like where not everybody's like perfectly saying the perfect thing. And in that movie, there is a little more like there are some negative things too. But like Love Simon was like so cleansed of anything like negative that it was unrealistic. Like it didn't even have people doing stupid things or saying stupid things. I think this movie hits a real sweet spot where it's like everybody's very positive about their son being gay and they're setting him up and they're happy, but like they do make mistakes, but these mistakes are not like hostile, you know, right. like they're just the kind of mistakes that people make. And I love that it shows that you can have these errors, but like acknowledge that people are loving you and doing their best and like, yeah, show that love, you know, yep. like, and just, but it's also just like, and have humor about like the things that people have to deal with when they're not part of like, you know, the majority group in a society like because we we do we joke about these things like when people don't understand us like i lived in another culture and like we would joke about misunderstandings about western culture americans too like uh -huh. like that we encountered so yeah it rang true to me yep yep you said it perfectly so about the setup i wanted to ask you and i've never been nobody's ever tried to set me up 
I'm wondering if your parents or family have ever set you up on a blind date or interfered in your love life in some way. Um, a, a touch. Um, like my cousin and my aunt, uh, and s- like my mom knew better, but they they were like, "Oh, it's also it's a, it's kind of a Greek thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. how about this? My cousin's mom was visiting. She spoke only Greek." I don't speak any Greek, but she's telling my mother and my mom, <laughs> my mom was like, I don't think so. But she's telling my mom, send her to Greece. I've got a boy for her over there. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you've, you've got to be kidding me. But, you know, I think my cousin once, you know, we were all going to go out and uh, there was somebody's friend there. And he, you know, had the classic like shirt open and the big cold gold chain and like, <laughs> big watch or whatever and my cousin's like cute huh and i'm like no <laughs> so, but nice. the family no by and large no and i had one other question which is not the one on the page um one other question is um did you ever experience like pressure to like be in a relationship because my family did not give me that pressure either so that aspect is not relatable to me my family just didn't care did your family no. ever care? Okay. No, yeah. no. I mean, again, like it would maybe be like extended Greek family that was like, you know, get married and have babies, just like in big fat Greek wedding. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, my God, like it was kind of to some people, it was a big deal that like my sister moved out and lived on her own and I went away to college. And so, but clearly our folks were like, yeah go ahead, move out of here and yeah, Yeah. go to college, you know, like, so no, my folks never. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I guess this is a thing that happens to some people, but it's never a trope that I'm like, Oh yeah, I get that. Right. 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 Yeah. If anything, when I got married for the first time, cause I'm um, been married twice, everyone was like, Oh, aren't you too young? Like I was 24 at the time. And and they were probably right, but <laughs> we had an amicable divorce and no no problems resulted from my first two-year marriage. But like, yeah, my family was like, I don't know. It seems like you're young for this. So opposite. Anyway. Yeah. That's <laughs> so I'm high five to us. We didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Know? So then we later we meet the rest of the family and um, they're pretty funny too. We've got the sister, Lisa, who seems to be the oldest sister um, she has two teenage daughters and a husband. Um, Sister Ashley uh, is marketing this farm on my face makeup is what she calls it. It's organic makeup. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And she has two young sons and also a husband. We barely see these husbands. I didn't even bother to write their names down. So Right, yeah. right, right. And then later, the entrance of Aunt Sandy, played by Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> And, and first we get her origin story. Kathy and Jimmy tells us um, like, like um, the daughter, or, or, sorry, Lisa thinks that she was like um, in a Broadway production of little shop of horrors playing Audrey. But Kathy and Jimmy's character reveals that she was in an off Broadway production as the understudy for Audrey. Fantastic. <laughs> but she does this big entrance when she comes in, she's singing joy to the world from Whitney Houston. She's wearing a leopard coat and a leopard print coat and a leopard print dress and a different leopard print. And she is just big, 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 like big energy right there. Yeah. And apparently like um, her thing is every year she does this Christmas pageant, which is another trope, having a Christmas pageant. 
And But nobody wants to be involved in this Christmas pageant. We will find out why later. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> And um, yeah, and then the family's informed that Peter's going to go on this date. Uh, most people are excited about it, but his two nieces, um, Lisa's daughters, are talking to each other and think that he should be with Nick instead. So they're kind of like real life shippers, like, uh, you know, like they've got a ship. They, they ship Peter and Nick together. That's what I think. I had never heard that term before. I was like. Does she mean like in the notes here? I'm like, does she mean strippers? No, they're real no, no. life strip- shippers. We must maybe we talked about that in an episode you weren't on. Like shippers oh. is like a term, like when you like uh, root for people to get together. Okay, um, mostly in a story, but um, in in this case, they're rooting for real life people to get together and nice. kind of like conspiring to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then we get this other controversy where the mom has purchased a fake white Christmas tree. And it has these like giant gold ornaments on it. And everyone hates the the Christmas tree. But Aunt Sandy has taken two of the gold ornaments and put them in her ears as earrings. It's fantastic. <laughs> and then Kathy and Jimmy's character snatches them away. Yeah. Anyway, all the background stuff that goes on in this movie is hysterical. Like, yeah. even if I don't feel the chemistry between the main couple, like every like side thing that happens, I'm like amused by. Yep. I'm with you. So we've got now Peter's on the day of his setup date and um, setups are like a whole rom-com like trope in and of themselves. Um, And this is like a place where the setup seems to replace fake dating as what the movie's going to go with. So I like how Peter wakes up and doesn't really want to go, but Nick is kind of egging him on and tells him to don that gay apparel. (laughs) He's kind of, he's kind of ribbing him. Um, And then the setup date. um, So the guy turns out to be, the guy, James, the trainer at the gym turns out to be like super hot. And like you said, I guess he's the King of Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets another slow motion entrance the same way that Tim got. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that right away. I noticed these like ever since can't hardly wait made that ridiculous one, the slow motion entrance. I always notice them now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And they go on this date at this like, cafe that's like a christmas themed cafe yeah another another trope these kinds of places always exist in these movies yeah in real life not as much yeah yeah no i I, what like a christmas ornament store sure i guess and even then i'm like all year long man really you got business all year long so to have a whole cafe theme all year long i don't know weird yeah it's called like mrs claus's cafe and there's like an actual woman dressed up like mrs claus as well (laughs) yeah and and then additional trope they're drinking hot chocolate so that that gave me a a hallmark bingo mark um good yeah and this date though for me like there's more chemistry in this date scene than for me than almost anywhere else in the movie like Peter was like acting really awkward around this really hot guy and kind of dorky, but like he was also kind of giggling and smiling. And um, the guy compliments him. Like maybe you are the funniest, cutest guy, right? Like that's in the trailer too. And then he like spits out his hot chocolate in this like adorable way. But like the guy is still cool with it. And they're just like getting along with each other. And he's Peter's flirting back to James too. Yeah. And so for me, this date was too good for like for James not to be the guy. Right, right, right. (laughs) I mean, jumping, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but then their, their ski date. Yeah. Yeah. Could talk about that later, shall we? Or yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about maybe. this scene. Did you already feel like a chemistry between them though? Like, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it was better, and then but it bothered me. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not supposed to be with this one. Like, yeah, you know. Like, yeah, it was conflicting because you're rooting kind of for that relationship, but you know you're supposed you're supposed to be rooting for the other one. Anyhow, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, like that's a bummer. Yeah, and we find out that the reason James is in this small town is that he's also a ski instructor in addition to being working at a gym. And but he's he's sad about the the lack of uh, gay men of eligible gay men in the area and he says the gay dating app radius is kind of a joke. And I thought this was like a really good thing and a specific thing to put into this movie because like um this is not a problem that like straight people have as much. Like there's usually a larger dating pool. So mm. it's just a very nice specific thing to put in about like you know, what kinds of problems or challenges you might experience in dating and as a gay man. So that was cool. Yeah. And then they get um, on the end of the date, they get a new tree for Peter's house, a real green tree, which is another trope, getting a tree together, total trope. So even when Harry met Sally has that in it. So, ah, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, because right. It's cute. They're yeah. struggling with the tree together. You're doing teamwork and banter yeah. and all that. All of which was really great between Peter and James, too. Yeah. It worked. It's because the James actor is the hallmark guy. <laughs> he knows how to do it from yeah. all the other. <laughs> yeah. So while Peter's out on the date, Nick is at home with Peter's family and they're wrapping um the Christmas presents and Peter's sister is going on and on about like, she can't stand this party wrapping thing that they have to do every year and pretend like they don't know what they're getting. Then she tries to get Nick to go to her mom and find out, you know, she knows she's going to get one of the, her handmade signs, but to tell her not to give her one, just to give her cash, (laughs) (laughs) which is cute. Um, Yeah. And Peter's sister already seems like she might be like a little bit drunk here. I'm not sure. Or but oh, like, yeah. or she's just ha- over everything. And then she yeah. wants Nick to also get more wine. And yes, this was this was a pretty funny part, I thought, um, for that actress. Yes. Yeah, I thought she and did a really good job. Yeah. So, oh, I wanted to put a, a little side note, too, about some of the novelty signs that um, Peter's mom makes. So she, the one she's going to give to Peter is called, it says, bloom where you are planted. And that one actually seems pretty nice. I like that one. Yes, I've heard but that. But the one she's going to give to his sister, Lisa, is, let's all take a moment and be thankful that spiders don't fly. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> that's a little too specific for me. But I don't know. I don't know where you're hanging that one. Do you disagree? Do you like that one? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. What? What is that? What? Well, you were laughing. I thought maybe you appreciated it. You're Just like, because you it's want- so weird. I'm like, okay. what the hell? And yeah, you're going to put that somewhere? I don't know. Where do you hang that? And then if you're watching the movie, like if you watch really carefully and pause things, you can see all bunches of other signs in the background of the house. I love that it's very consistent with the production design. And one of them says, relax. We're all crazy. It's not a competition nice anyway yeah that's a it's another if you do another viewing of the film i recommend uh pausing and checking out some of the other signs in the movie so let's see so peter and nick um peter's left his date and he's bringing more wine home and nick has left to get the wine so they run into each other in the store in the liquor store and there's like way more wine than i've ever seen anyone buy like <laughs> is that like do other families like drink this much wine i don't know or is it supposed to be funny 
I think it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Okay, good. I was worried about them. <laughs> I was like legit worried. <laughs> and then um, Nick asked Peter how the date went in the store. And they kind of have like a little bit of an awkward conversation about it. I do feel like they're trying to seed in here that like Nick is interested in Peter. Yeah. But I kind of feel like if I hadn't known that they were supposed to get together in the movie, you know, yeah. from the trailer, that I wouldn't yeah. have noticed it. How do you feel about that? Same. Yeah. Same. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, well. I, I think that maybe um, perhaps is it the young actor still feeling out his acting chops. Oh, I don't his... think it's Philemon Chambers fault. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but like, okay. uh, I got to, yeah, I, I feel like he, if anything was doing more with it than Michael Yuri in some places. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe a controversial opinion, but <laughs> uh, they, or they just did not have chemistry. How about that? Because I like yeah, them in other spots. It's also possible. Yeah, I, that's, that's definitely possible. That's it. Yeah, I feel like I blame in some ways the direction too. Like, okay, we'll start mm -hmm. getting into it. In some ways, I blame the direction. I think sometimes um, the shots that were chosen are not very intimate oh, in some cases. Like, yes. not, like more close-ups might have been better. I don't know. But okay. yeah. But here uh -huh. they're literally blocked from each other by having their shopping carts like sort of facing each other too. So they're kind of kept at a distance deliberately. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, it doesn't. It's not as important as this scene as it is in later scenes when it, you really need the chemistry to work, right? So back at the ranch, Peter comes home with a tree, and when the mom finds out, he kind of distracts her from being upset about it by telling her the good news about the date. The date went well, and and she's distracted enough, and everyone's happy. But Peter's dad um, kind of pulls Nick aside. I don't even remember what they're supposed to be doing together, but while he picks, pulls Nick aside. Um, he says to Nick that he thought Nick and Peter should end up together. And Nick's like, oh, but he's my best friend. And and then Peter's dad says, well, my wife is my best friend in the whole world. And I thought that was like really sweet. I liked that. The whole thing was sweet. It looks to me like, so they're setting up the tree and raving about the date. And it, the way it felt to me was that the dad saw the disappointment in mm. Nick and called him mm. over to like kind of help them out of that situation because they're in the garage and they're gonna like fix something or whatever yeah. and like how sweet is that i always thought you two should be together the whole thing is just yeah and then to say that my wife is my best friend in the whole world it's such a beautiful sweet scene yeah and then love like, that dad yeah and then after that conversation like right when he's saying that they should be together that Lisa's children, the teenage daughters pop in and say, they agree that they also think that Nick should be with Peter. They've been obviously like eavesdropping and so forth. So we have the beginning of the family conspiring to like get Nick and Peter together instead. You know, something, you know, you asked if I've been set up, anybody set me up or whatever. Mm -hmm. No, but I feel like I've had that conversation. Oh where yeah. Friends have been like, I think we think you guys should be, you know, you and that guy that you were talking to or your friend that you were talking flirting with should be together. I'm like, great. Go tell him that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, stop telling me. Like, I agree. <laughs> or maybe not, but like uh yeah. Tell him that. I'm That's such the I'm such the aggressive one with dating that like <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't be friends with someone really long enough for like this to happen. Usually, 
That's hilarious. I'm just like, um, yeah, like I would have already done something before anybody would be like, oh, yeah, you should. Well, that's not entirely true. I guess my first boyfriend, Trike, like there was somebody at the theater who said we had good chemistry before I noticed it. So it did happen once. Okay, so where were we in the actual plot? Oh, okay. Uh, later on in the ski date with James. Okay, so yeah, like, and then we find out something about Peter's or- origin, Peter and Nick's origin story when um, when Peter's on a ski date with James, like a second date. We find out that Nick and Peter uh, met each other while they were both signing up for a gym in L.A., and they faked being a couple so they could get a discounted rate at a gym. So, like, their origin story is fake dating. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, back at home, while Peter's on this date, Nick is reading Saving Emmett to one of the little nephews. And I thought that was adorable, like really Mm -hmm. nice. Um, Also, you get to see a little bit of the book, which seems like a really good book that should be made, probably. I Yeah, for sure. While this is happening, the nieces take a picture of uh, Nick and the little boy together reading, and then they send it to Peter on his date. And he's like, kind of looks at, and he kind of feels like, oh, I kind of want to be with my family at home, and it, and it's it's this family beginning to conspire again with the friends to lovers trope and trying to set them up. So you and your husband were actually friends <laughs> first. So I like you don't have to tell much about this if you don't want to, but I'm kind of curious, like about when or and and how did you like kind of realize that you should be together romantically instead of like as friends. And like, how long did that take? And who realized it first? Like, we don't have, we don't have time for like Do the you whole have time. This is a yeah. We don't have time for like the whole whole story. But like, like, just I'm curious about like, did it take a long time? And like, what kind of thing made you realize that? Yes, it did take a long time. We were friends for a long time. Um, I was living in Brooklyn. He was living in the Twin Cities. We were talking on the phone one night. And um, I I don't know what, but I went like, (gasps) like caught my breath. Like this is all in my head, but it was like, and I was like, oh my, Greg has a lot of characteristics I've been praying about in a man. And then then I went, shit. And I was like, why God? (laughs) Why Greg? What? This is stupid. And this is all happening in my head. But I was like, oh my gosh. And I hadn't seen him in a couple years. Like I had moved and we're, you know, a year apart. So I was already out of college and then moved away. And he is in graduate. So he's in seminary now. And it was really like, that's how it was for me. And so my mind changed about him. Mm. And then and just um, in an instant like that, kind of like, kind of. Yeah. Wow. That it dawned on me. I'm like, Oh, and but like I said, the timing was just so strange and like it just never seemed like it was, could ever be possible. I'm like this, And he was dating somebody else and he had different plans for his life and I had my plans for my life. Then the paths weren't going to cross. But then plans changed and his plans changed and um, and then our paths did cross. And then he was living in the city and in New, in New York City. And we hung out a few times and... Um, all the while my my feelings were growing um but i still wasn't going to say anything and then he was going to leave the city again and he did for like a second um but he said what made him change is what made him think aha uh-huh. <laughs> we hung out one evening we were at my apartment we were having mm-hmm. dinner and talking and yada yada and the next day i texted and said hey 
Um, I'd love to continue talking. That was the moment where he thought maybe there's something there because apparently hmm. I had never reached out to like hang out before he had always hmm. reached, reached out, which is probably true. I'm a terrible planner uh, or like, you know, initiating hanging hmm. out or whatever. Um, and then he left the city for five days, but even the second day he it was the second day he was gone where he's like, I need to talk to you. And then I was like, he loves me. He loves me. And yeah, he was like, what's, what do you think? And I'm like, good idea. Come back. And he did. And then like, that's it. That was it. And then we were like agreeing to be married a couple weeks later. Was it like awkward at all when you first like made transition between being friends to dating or was it like seamless? Uh, uh, It was a little awkward. Um, I had never had a relationship before. I hardly hmm. dated. He had had a couple relationships. Um, and it was awkward. Like, you know, the first night we kissed, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like wired all night long. I was yeah. like, could not sleep. I was so excited about this, you know, relationship happening. And um, and then things like, you know, we were hanging out all the time. I'm like, wait a minute. How do I hang out with you all the time? I have other things to do. And I'm like, what do I do here? Ah, and, yes. um, yeah. You know, like I've got, you know, my job and just other things. And oh, okay. All right. Um, see you later. And then <laughs> whatever. I just wanted to be with him all the time. And yeah. And then like to like say we wanted to get married. I love you. Want to get married. But we had never had a fight, you know, and like that didn't happen until like few months later after we were you know already engaged and blah 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 so anyhow lots of interesting things yeah yeah i remember the re- the first night like kind of cuddling and looking at pictures together and i was like whoa <laughs> he's got his arm around me this is funny you know <laughs> for like it, t- it was like five seconds and then it was totally fine so yeah yeah cool well that's sweet yeah that was very bridged it still felt long anyway no no it's sweet i like it thanks. i'm glad yeah. that like if nothing else this movie can bring out this story yeah <laughs> thanks 16 years later friends still married going strong and wait how many years were your friends again before you uh, got together uh, I forget. that's a fine question uh i don't know six eight yeah that's a lot that's like a nick and peter amount so there you go. Yeah. But you weren't little- roommates or anything like they were. So No, we weren't yeah. roommates, but we were yeah. college together and um yeah. Spent cool. a lot of time. We were friends in college, so anyhow. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks. So now we're getting um to the Christmas pageant, which having a Christmas pageant in one of these movies is a huge trope. Okay. And usually it feels like really awkward and shoehorned in to me. But, like, they really make it central to this character of Aunt Sandy and her, like, whole theater <laughs> dreams slash delusion. <laughs> so, I, so I think it fits in nicely. Although, how is anybody letting this woman run a Christmas pageant? Who is sending their kids to work with her? I don't know. It's fantastic. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's Mary. And the way she says, you know, Mary, Mary. Yeah. You will be with child. 
Mary. Oh my God, I laugh so hard. Like her acting, when she demonstrates what to do or when she's performing herself, she's over the top. She like, there's this one point where she said, you should act like you're scared. And the girl's like, well, maybe you could show me. And she does this like scream that I'm not going to repeat here because you drive off the road if you're listening to our podcast really loud. And and then also she's yelling at these kids and being kind of like almost like abusive. She's like the, the camp counselor in Wet Hot American Summer who's yelling at the kids, but like not in a movie that's like absurd like that, you know? Yeah. I thought that <laughs> part was hilarious. Like, you know, it work with children. <laughs> I don't yell at them that way, but in my insides, I'm like, man, I feel this one. <laughs> it's like, just like, okay, deep breath. You were supposed to be off book. You're not off book. Now none of you has lines. <laughs> like, it was hilarious. <laughs> anyway she's like a crazy director um she's yeah but she's it's great and she also has called the play jesus h christ that's like the actual name of the play you see it later it's up on a banner when they show the pageant and like this actually made me okay this is a total weird non sequitur but well it's not a non sequitur but it's a random thing i had to actually look up why people say jesus h christ and i guess it's because um, the way they used to abbreviate Jesus in the Greek alphabet kind of looks like a J, H, and a C. Okay. So people who were accustomed to like Latin, reading Latin, mistook that for, you know, that Jesus had a middle name okay. or something. Okay. <laughs> and then it kind of came to be used irreverently or as an expletive or whatever. And this was like as early as like when Mark Twain was writing, this was a thing. So Okay. Yeah. That's funny. I have a, in the show notes, there's an article about it if you want to read more. So yeah, <laughs> I like that. Well, hey, that's kind of funny. I, as a young child, was like, did he have a last name? It was in like some summer Bible camp or whatever. And I'm like, here's my burning question. Was What was his last name? Did Jesus have a last name? Isn't that, that was my, yeah. I wanted to I know. Mean, I kids want to know these things. Know. Yes. Yeah. What was H, Henry? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it just wasn't a thing. So, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, And then, uh, let's see. So, this this Christmas pageant is also brought into the main story because the family gets the idea that like, why don't we have Peter and Nick help Aunt Sandy with her like disastrous Christmas pageant and they'll be able to help her fix it. Cause like Peter has experience with like, you know, directing sets and like Nick has experience with building things. And so they come in, I would have liked to see more of how they actually fixed it. Cause this is all shown in like a montage. Right. Instead, like set to Whitney Houston's joy to the world, which Aunt Sandy was talking about before. And right. like, I mean, it's fine montage, but like, really, I don't, I don't know how you would have saved Aunt Sandy's show, to be honest. It didn't need saving. It was such I a mean, glorious piece of theater. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I needed some saving, I think. <laughs> okay, so we're going to now get into the spoilers okay section so we can really talk about whatever now. Is that cool? Absolutely. Any spoilers you've been dying to shout out or the whole time or? <laughs> no. Um. I don't know if we mentioned it before, but the I guess it, it comes to the end and the kiss and like, because I think the kiss between James and Peter at the oh, yeah. ski lodge. We haven't talked about that kiss yet. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Talk about that kiss. Hot. It is yeah. so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, James kind of they're like, kind of like off by the side, and James like takes his the waist of his ski pants and pulls them close, and they have this freaking hot kiss. It was hot. Yeah, that was a- 
Yeah, and they made like, they made the kiss too hot and too effective. And yeah. here's another thing. So this is why, like, I'm partly blaming the direction for the for the why I don't feel chemistry, and I'm partly blaming Michael Yuri. And this is why in that okay, scene after the, after he gets kissed in that scene, Michael Yuri gets kissed. You see him give the body language to James where he looks at his eyes, then he looks at his mouth, and then he looks at his eyes again. That is actually a body language sign that somebody wants you to kiss them. Like it's something that if you read articles, like, is somebody attracted to me? That's one of the things. He never, as far as I could tell, did that to Fulman Chambers in their scenes, but he does it to this actor after he's been kissed. Like maybe Uh even the actor himself was like feeling that or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't know. But like, if he, if he was, he should have hit it a little better because like, come on now. He can't, he made that scene hotter. Like they both did. And then the ones later. And that sucks. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. want to root for the couple I'm supposed to root for. <laughs> yeah. You're going to give yeah. me an ending. M- make it that way. You know, yes. Give me the, yeah. earn it. Earn yeah. That. Earn that ending. <sighs> Sigh. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, throughout all these dates, I will say that the writing is always having Peter talk about Nick in all these dates. So he's always right. talking about Nick, even while he's with James. And that I think was good and could have been effective to like make yeah. their chemistry work. But like the something about either the way it's shot, the way it's played, or maybe these are just two actors that don't have it together. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, it's frustrating. Okay, but they do have some chemistry in this next scene we're going to talk about, which is this photo shoot. So Peter's work, like, texts him and, like, tells him that, like, oh, we're not going to go with these Instagram models that we were, like, filming in the first scene of the movie. Now we want to get real people, which Peter explains still means models, and we need these pictures, like, (laughs) now. Okay? And and Peter's dad says, well, why don't you, you know, shoot Nick? Like, take pictures of Nick, which is, like, kind of obvious, I think. And Uh they do this photo shoot in this like wintry woods where like Nick is like chopping wood and like holding logs (laughs) like you do. You sit there and you (laughs) hold a log. (laughs) Right. And then, and then, and there's these cute scenes and then like Nick like takes pictures of Peter as well. And then there's this one moment where Peter says, I want you to like on the count of three, breathe out some air so I can see your breath like in the picture. And that moment between them where he's just looking into like Nick's eyes and taking that picture, there was some heat there. There was some tension. Mm-hmm. I felt some chemistry. And mm-hmm. did you feel the chemistry in that moment or like uh, am I a little bit? Yeah. 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 I do think that that was a promising moment. And then that, of course, is interrupted by um, Peter getting a text from James to go on another date. And they yeah. have a very awkward conversation where like Nick is encouraging him to go, but Peter doesn't really want to go. But you get this feeling that Nick's encouraging him because he, you know, doesn't think there could be anything between them. And mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I liked that. I liked that photo shoot scene, even though it uses this trope that really annoys Lee, which is like in movies when people are photographers, it's always so easy. One hundred percent. The lighting's awesome. Yeah. No weird shadows. Yeah, yeah. You just get these perfect pictures. You just have to point and shoot. No big deal. I think that's why right. there's so many people try to become photographers because movies have made it look too easy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not that easy. Yeah. So let's see. Peter ends up going on this third date with um, James. And this, there's kind of a thing where the older sister, they're at the bar, her bar, and she tries to ruin right, this. Right. Right. So date. what happens? Um, they go to her bar. It's her place, right? Isn't her and her husband's yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisa's crisis. 
I didn't notice that. That's what the bar is called, you said? You found out? Yes. She's wearing a shirt that says it, and she answers oh. the phone, Lisa's Crisis. And oh. I thought that was brilliant. And it's the her kids or people from the house telling her to, like, do something because Peter's there with James. Yeah. So that's they're all in on it to, like, break up this date. But I didn't think it really worked, that scene. It didn't. Like, it was silly. Yeah, she just comes in and she spills food on James mm-hmm. and Jane blames it on Peter and says he's always so selfish. And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> right. James right. didn't really seem to lose any interest in him. And that's also kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden she's trying to paint Peter's really bad. and Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, after they're at the bar, um, Peter ends up taking some pictures of James for the shaving cream ad outside in the dark, which Lee also pointed out is ridiculous because now you have even right. worse lighting conditions. 100%. <laughs> yes, and, um, Lee. They have this contrast moment, though, where, like, he has James do the same thing where he breathes the breath out. And you notice that, like, he doesn't feel he kind of looks disappointed. Like, he doesn't feel that kind of tension with James, that kind of sexual energy. Uh-huh. And and James, part of it is James isn't looking intense or anything. He just smiles. <laughs> like, mm. And James asks him to go up to his apartment. And at first he's kind of like, sure. But then he's like, no, I'm going to spend time with my family. And that, and they do do kind of a good job of like turning the chemistry off there. But like the chemistry was so good in the p- first part that it was still hard for me to accept. I was like, no, go up to his apartment. Like, yeah. please. I, I shouldn't be rooting for him to go up to James's apartment movie. Right. Yeah. Did you did you root for that or were you like did the shut off of the chemistry work? Well, on? it's like you're like after that whole, you know, debolical at the bar, like they're leaving. It looks like they're about to part ways. But now they're going to do this photo shoot, another fun intimate mm-hmm. kind of thing, right, where there's more opportunity for all this chemistry and blah 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 and then do you want to come up and not, like I felt like Obviously, they needed his photos for the photo shoot, but it was like, it went out too long. I felt like it should have ended and, yeah, because there was this element of like, oh, now they have more time to be together. Oh, what's going to happen here? Yeah. it. Well, I think they needed that extra part because there was that, like, contrast with the, the breath. Yeah. If it hadn't yeah. been for that contrast with the breath, in fact, I wouldn't have bought that they didn't have chemistry. Like, yeah, I wouldn't. But, yeah, but like, I don't know. So at home, uh, Peter gets home and he sees that the girls have fallen asleep in his bed, which we know they've done on purpose. So right. he goes up to a bunk with Nick to sleep in Nick's bed. Like, first of all, he might have just gone to the couch. There's no guarantee he would have gone to sleep with Nick, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, yeah. he'd probably be perfectly comfortable sleeping on the couch at his own house. But it works. He goes up to hang- sleep in the bed with Nick. But then I feel like the scene was totally underutilized. Like, this mm-hmm. is, like, the trope of tropes in these, like, friends to lovers or fake datings, like, where you force people to sleep in the same bed together. Like, everything on, like, Archive of Our Own is, like, they were forced to sleep in the same bed together. Mm-hmm. And it's just so blah in the end. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because it's an overhead shot and you don't really get, like, look them, like, close-ups of their face looking at each other. What do you think? Like, I just, I mean... All he does, he climbs in the bed. The girls were sleeping in my bed. Of course they were. Of course they were. And then like, yeah, and then they roll on their backs and they're looking up and they're trying to look like there's tension or something. And then it ends. I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no sweet music overhead. No, I don't know. Yeah. They don't even. No, no pillow talk. Come on. Pillow talk, man. You know, like that's. And they yeah. don't even do the thing where they wake up next morning, which all these movies do, where somebody's got their arm around each other. Freaking planes, right. trains, and automobiles did that, for God's sake. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, you're already using the trope. Yeah. Go the whole nine with it then, yeah. you know? Embrace the trope. Love the trope. So that yeah. I can blame the writer for, unless the director changed it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really, you got cut stuff? Was there I don't know. more? Yeah. And I don't know. There needed to be more. There needed to be something more. Yeah. I don't know. Because, like, have they shared a bed before? We don't know. Maybe they have. Right. Yeah. Right. It should have been accidental touching something. Anyway. Right. All right. I totally agree. So we've got a few more scenes, like, really quick scenes before the pageant. One that I thought was funny was the teenage girls have designed new costumes for the pageant so that they can look sexier. And Peter comes in and sees them and goes, ho, ho, ho. Right. That was cute. And I like the mom being like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I felt her. That was yeah. cute. They are not good costumes. Yeah. They're not. And I like the way that then Peter goes to his other sister and says, can we get your farm? Far- oh, your, farm on my face. Farm makeup. on my face makeup. And yeah. then she's like, hashtag put it on Instagram and all. Yeah. Hashtag farm, farm on my face. face. <laughs> that so, was cute. Um, yeah. And at this around this time is also... Um, Sorry, where? Oh, they get, oh they get oh, yeah. Peter to admit his feelings for Nick. But when does that gotten, happen? Did they already get Nick to admit his feelings for Peter. Oh yeah, they've already so they'd already the girls had already gotten Nick to admit his feelings for Peter when he was doing a task rabbit job by stealing his ladder while he's doing lights, and they made him like admit oh, that he liked Peter. Yeah, and so now okay. they're going to Peter yeah. and getting him to admit that he has feelings for Nick too. Right. So, yeah, the girls are the little busy matchmaker bees of this movie. Yep. Yes, and it's in this scene where they do a dance sequence. Yeah. To, to Britney Spears's "My uh, Only Wish This Year." Yeah, which um, has the line, which has this line, "Santa, can you hear me?" And I'd never heard this song before. Have you heard this song? No, I didn't know who it was. I'm like, should I know who this who this is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I could tell it was Britney, and like, okay. and and like, <laughs> and I thought it was cute that they had this like dance choreography thing together. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Yes, like with their gunkle and his nieces doing a dance routine together. Yes, that was very cute. But this is where then Nick comes up mm-hmm. and sees them being all super cute. And one of the nieces says to him, he feels the same way. Yeah. So now he's got the information. Yeah. And we've got the little boys are dancing then too. Everybody's dancing together in that scene. So cute. Yeah. I like that. Okay, now we come to the pageant. (laughs) And one thing to note about the pageant. So before the pageant, Aunt Sandy does this whole like uh, pep talk. And apparently she in the movie, it says this says this too, that she has done the monologue from Truth or Dare that Madonna gives to her dancers before a show, which was so fun. I thought that that was great. And um, apparently Chad Hodge, like this is inspired by his own sort of attachment to the movie Truth or Dare. So this is a quote that he had about it. He said that the, he said that the out gay men in that movie had a big impression on him when he was young. He said, quote, they were just these cool gay guys who were being fierce and fun and not embarrassed or closeted. I loved Madonna and Madonna loved them. So it made me feel like it was okay seeing these gay men in this really positive, normal way. End quote. I thought that was really sweet. 
and a nice tribute. And I've definitely heard about, you know, that truth or dare being influential to other gay men, like when I've read or talked to people. Yeah. Well, it's underway now. And the pageant, the pageant. The yeah. pageant <laughs> yes. Uh, and James is at the pageant watching, but Peter and Nick are off to the side watching, you know, from the sidelines, like the church, the hall kitchen or whatever they're in. And they have their arms around each other. You know, they're very snugly and close. Poor so James. James. Yeah, James sees it. But James has already even said, it sounds like you guys have a special thing going on. Like, I think yeah. James knows what's up. And yet he's a nice guy. Yeah, he is a nice guy. That's why he's, in, again, all, he <laughs> makes all the films. Um, and then after the pageant, Nick reveals his feelings. Uh, but Peter's afraid of what might happen to their friendship. And then James interrupts it and all that. And what yeah, did you, how did you feel about intentionally. that? James doesn't interrupt no. it intentionally. Yeah. Right. It's just like, yeah. Hey, let's go grab drinks. And um, wh- how did you feel about the reveal? See, I thought that Nick, that um, Philemon Chambers played it really well, but like Michael Yuri, like you can definitely see his discomfort and I can like, you know, I guess that's what the character is at that point. He's just afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's got this fear, but like it kind of took away from the momentum a little bit for me. I know they always do this in these movies, though. There always has to be this last challenge or whatever. So. Right, right, right. I guess whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then we um, go to the bar. They're going to go to the bar to celebrate the pageant. And then this guy is singing this Christmas song. And you find out that his name is Kevin and he's the snowplow guy. Um, but every year he makes a Christmas song to sing at this bar and he snowplows is a notary and an animal psychic. And Peter says his brand's all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. He just, he's the snowplow guy and he works all year long to write a new song for Christmas and sing it at the bar. That's his thing. And I was like, that's such That's a small awesome. town thing. That's such like a good, like, like you, we have these characters in small towns like this. So, well, you know, there's another part where after one of the rehearsals where Sandy gets, Aunt Sandy gets a cab home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for a small town, do you have a cab? But, and then she goes, thanks, Cheryl, or whatever. She thanks the cab lady. Yeah. And I was like, remember the cab lady in our small town? I don't, but I never took a cab, but I know that there was like one person. Yeah. So there's this one woman and that was like her thing. Her car didn't say cab or anything, but like you had her number and she'd come and take the old folks around and everybody like, I just, that made me think of that again. The one. Yeah. Person who does that. I also job. like that, like the, the the like he uses this thing. His brand's all over the place. I'm just this like small town guy who's not thinking about his brand. It's just a funny contrast, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. And then um, at the bar party, um, Aunt Sandy comes over to um, Peter's mom and she's like, they just told me that the show is so good. I should take it on the road. Like I should take it on tour. And she like believes this hype. She like has in her mind that she's going to take these small children and take their Christmas pageant on a tour. I love that moment. Yep. Mm. Yep. And then I love that she goes and hits on James. She's going to go pick him up. And they're like, wrong team. Wrong team. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Kathy and Jimmy comes over. She's like cutting it off. Like, nope, nope. It's cute. Okay, so now we're coming into the resolution of the plot. And so Nick gets this task rabbit gig where he's painting an old hardware store. As soon as I saw the for rent sign, I'm like, oh, he's going to rent this hardware store so that like Peter can open his plant store. I knew that immediately. Did you know this immediately? 
I, I think I just I might have like turned my head or like someone was trying <laughs> to talk to me during that moment. I missed it. So you would have known though. You would have known. Yeah. Because this is like yeah. totally the thing that happens. Yeah. But um Nick though has already bought like some kind of like plane ticket, maybe, or at least a hotel reservation near the plane airport. I don't know. But he's still gonna rent this like freaking place for Peter, even though he thinks that they're done, basically, which is kind of sweet, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It shows the value of their friendship. But Peter finds Nick before he can get away, uh, finds out that he's rented the store for him and everything. And then Peter says he's in love with Nick, too. And they kiss. And we both have already revealed that this kiss doesn't work for us. Um, Yeah. So it's too fast for one thing. Like, it's the whole thing where, like, Nick's talking and then Peter just rushes at him really fast. Yeah. And kind of mushes his face at him. Yeah. Yeah, Fast like their bodies just yeah. slam together. I'm like, ow, that that looks like it hurt. Like, they're <laughs> like fast it can was- be sexy, but it's not sexy here. It wasn't sexy here. No. Yeah. yeah. And then like the kiss just doesn't seem very enthusiastic to me. And yeah. like, and then they start talking about they're going to open the plant store, like in the middle of kissing. There is no looking at the mouth and looking at the eye and like all that thing that I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I- I just felt like, yeah. especially Michael Yuri felt awkward to me in that scene. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You agree? Yes. I mean, I was watching it and I was kind of cringing the whole, I'm like, this isn't, yeah. this isn't working for him. I'm like, this is an awkward scene. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. You do not want that to be the case. Yeah. It's yeah. Your, your big romantic moment. And I really feel like Philemon Chambers was working for me. Like his body language, his voice got really sexy. Like I felt like he was playing it really well. My personally, okay. I'll have to watch it again. Uh, yeah, but I watched yes, it several I, times to evaluate what wasn't working for me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, just kept trying to figure it out. I'm like, what would I have done as a director in this situation? I might not have cast those two together. But right. yeah. I know. Tough. I'm, that's the whole thing I've been thinking about. Like, how did they get cast together? Like, I'm what? thinking what probably would happen is Michael Yuri is a big name, right? So he was okay. in first, probably. And okay. then Philemon Chambers is like really good. And like, well, he's so good. Like, we got to get oh, him. Okay. Okay. And then it just somehow huh. didn't work. Like, that's my yeah. theory. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway. Gotta be it. I mean, it could be something else. Or maybe they there were better takes that they didn't use. I don't fucking know. I don't but, know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's see. Also, you know what else? Okay, I don't want to, like, make cast too many aspersions, but Michael Mayer's more of a theater director than he is, like, a film director. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has directed films, but he's his work that's been better recognized has been in theater. You have such different... Um, you have to have such different body language between movies and theater. Mm-hmm. Like the rushing fast at someone to kiss them would probably work better on a stage. I wonder. Hmm. I don't know. Huh? But that's, that's a good theory. You like, need to do a lot of close up stuff, like with faces, facial expressions and things like that. Micro movements in a movie. Yeah. Hmm. We got, we got to keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. Anything else you want to say about the kiss or anything like that? Or. Well, I don't know. There's just some other points about like where they could have had better chemistry. We talked about the bed scene. I thought about the scene where Nick comes out of the bathroom with mm. a towel around his waist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked hot. Um, he looked hot. But then like he goes back and Peter makes a face. And I'm like, was he supposed to be checking him out and feeling awkward about that? Or was he like grossed out that he was... <laughs> There, it's, it's bad that you can't tell. Naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. ooh, bad over there. Okay. Um, and the, oh, oh, and okay, then the other ahead. thing, 
Nick never gets a slow-mo scene. Tim gets a slow-mo scene. James gets a slow-mo scene. If they had just given Nick a slow-mo scene, like where maybe Peter sees him come into a room oh, and all of a sudden he, you can tell that he feels differently because there's a slow-mo scene. That would have even worked, I think, maybe. At least I would intellectually I would have been signaled like, oh, oh okay, okay, this is your big come-in moment where yeah. I realized that I like this guy. <sighs> or is it like those two were like this, I don't know, what he thought he wanted. Sure. And then here you have the real thing. I guess. But it's like in movies that slow-mo thing is often used to reveal the person the person really wants. So it's like hard. It, like movie language is telling me that's the right. person. Yeah. I, I don't know. Either. Like on an unconscious level, maybe. Yeah. <sighs> Alas. So after this unsatisfying kiss scene, we go to unwrap presents with the family, which is another trope. This scene was much more satisfying because like Nick and Peter totally work as like family units or something like, right. Mm -hmm. Like they they fit Mm -hmm. in, like Nick fits in with the family, which is important in a relationship, honestly. I mean, that is super important. And Nick ends up giving the kids a notebook in which he has written the sequel to saving Emmett, Emmett at the Christmas hotel. And he says in the story, um, the ending is Nick and Peter are going to bring Emmett to New Hampshire and live there together. And then he reveals that they really are going to bring Emmett to New Hampshire and live there together. And they're together. And everyone's super happy. And there's another somewhat awkward kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interrupted by everybody cheering. Yeah. But and I love the cheering. It's so sweet. Yeah. You love the family story in this, for sure. Like, I think we both did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then, and I I love their friendship and I love both of those characters separately. Although I love Nick a little more, but that's me. Mm -hmm. I'm Um, with you. Yeah. yeah, But yeah, I don't know. Just the chemistry was off. So then we finally have an ending scene where Kevin, the snowplow guy is singing another Christmas song. He's written two this year, folks, or maybe it's one of his last year's song called single all the way like the movie. And aunt Sandy comes up and dances with him to the song. Okay, fun fact. Are we ready for a fun fact? Yeah, yeah. Kevin, the snowplow guy, and Kathy and Jimmy are married in real life. Wait, what? Yeah, I am too, man. Dude. Isn't that awesome? He rocks. He And he's an actor in his own right and does things and he's funny and sings and whatnot. And But I thought he was so rocking. Yeah. I loved him so much. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That was awesome. That's awesome. That's an awesome factoid. Thank you for that. Yep. My pleasure. Okay. So we, now we have a couple like just really quick questions we're going to do at the end of the movie. I'm going to probably ask this to our Twitter followers too. So yeah. What item from this movie would you most want to receive as a Christmas present? So these are your options. You can get a farm on my face makeup gift set, hashtag farm on my face. You could have a copy of the children's book, Saving Emmett. Or you can get one of Christmas Carol's handmade signs. Which one would you choose? Saving Emmett, the book. Yeah, yeah. What about why, you? Why would you, my face? why would you why choose it? Why would you choose it? It was actually a real hard toss between saving or a consideration, I guess, between the children's book or the handmade sign of Carol. But to be honest, I think that I would like always keep the book. And yeah. I, I love I love books. Books are everywhere in our house. Children's books, absolutely. And where like the sign might be cute for a little while, but then I could see myself being like, "Where the hell am I going to? I don't want this anymore." You know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I would also take the children's book. And, and here's the thing. When I finished watching this movie, I was like, I wonder if they really made this into a children's book. Because I was like, that would be such a great tie-in. And as far as I can tell, they have not. But they really oh, should. I think they could sell the fuck out of that book. Like, for real. Yeah. Like, I think it'd be the kind of cute thing that people would like to read, even if it is just like this story from this movie. I think people yeah. would still like it. Yeah. So make the totally book, agree. people. Make the book and the sequel. And make the sequel to the movie, too. Even if I didn't buy their chemistry, I would still watch the sequel to this movie. They should have a great theory for a Yeah, well, sequel. they're not going to make my idea. But would you would you watch, like, a sequel to this movie, do you think? Like, I don't know. I mean, if we bring back Jennifer Coolridge and Kathy <laughs> Jimmy, Like, for the extended family, I would. Then yeah, they would, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, man, those two would have to amp it up. The yeah, leads on their something. on their love story. Okay, so I think we already went over the... Well, if you want to put the random observation that you had, we didn't do that one yet. Oh, uh, well, I loved Lisa's Crisis. And my favorite, if you didn't notice, um, Peter is at the gym waiting to meet James and for his mom to get done with the workout with him or whatever. And he's looking for stuff on his phone, maybe work-related, I don't know. And he goes, flames flames on the side of my face and that is a direct quote from the movie clue the <laughs> mrs white character played by madeline khan i think that's even an improvised line in the film and she goes flames on the side of my face and <laughs> i've peed my pants so lee noticed that too but i'm not a big enough clue fan to have picked that up but i'm a cool. diehard clue fan so <laughs> that rocked my world nice nice Okay, so that must have been one of your favorite bits from the movie. Um, what are some other favorite things from the movie moments? Oh, what did we? Do? Oh, well, I um, the anything with Aunt Sandy and the pageant, um, and and just uh, the mom and dad scenes. Like I talked about the dad with Nick and being like, he should. I think you two should be together, and just like yeah. their lovingness. So, what about you? And yes, Snowplow Guy. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much the same. I love anything with Aunt Sandy, especially her directing job. I, I love, um, yeah, also the Snowplow Guy. But I also liked Peter's first date with James where they're drinking the hot chocolate, um, their chemistry there. I love Br the Britney dance number. And I love Nick reading the book to the little nephew. I thought that was so sweet. And oh, like yeah. when your partner gets along with your family and is really sweet with them, it's always so special. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, favorite characters. Um, Aunt Sandy. I'm just going to leave it there. Everybody else Aunt comes Sandy. after. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say Aunt Sandy and the mom character and then yeah. Snowplow Guy and then Nick and Emmett. I would love to see more of the dog. If there is a sequel, I hope there's a lot more dog in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there can always be more dog. I need more dog. Like I need more cowbell. So um, I guess like, you know, you mentioned my, my sequel idea. So I have yes. this like idea for what would happen in the sequel. They are never going to make this because like people who ship Peter and Nick together would hate this, but this is like how I would do the sequel. Okay. You ready for it? Yeah. Single, single all the way too. So we meet, um, we see our couple a year later, um, Peter and Nick are still together in New Hampshire, but they've been hanging out with James a lot because James has come back from L.A. You know, he tried to be an influencer. He didn't really like it. He found out he likes New Hampshire. So Peter, James and Nick hang out a lot together because, like, you know, they're the only gay guys in the town, really. <laughs> but Nick is starting to worry that Peter and James might have a little more chemistry than they initially thought. And they might have been a better match after all. Like Nick and Peter are not married yet or anything, but they are living together. But Nick's just a little concerned. 
And the family then conspires to set James up with this hot new professor of literature who's at a neighboring college town. Okay, the family's like, well, Nick's worried. We're going to bring in this other guy. Distract James. It'll all be fine. But what ends up happening instead is that the hot new professor guy ends up having tons of chemistry with Nick. They all like go on a double date together or something. And then the literature professor and Nick are like all, you know, really sparking. Sparks are flying. And so at the end of this movie, Peter and Nick end up breaking up amicably. Peter ends up with James after all. And Nick ends up with this like hot new professor guy. And they live in Bridgewater happily ever after in their separate couples. The end. So if you, like me and Sophia, thought that Nick and Peter did not have the chemistry necessary, this might be the sequel for you. It will never get made, but it's my headcanon for now until they make a sequel. <laughs> so you don't think they end up together then? Like, stay together? That's in, the your universe, in the universe that this movie has built, they stay together. Like, in, right. the, in, the, in the one that they have told me, in the one that they have shown me, they do not end up together. And it's and and like I was trying to think of a way that you could make a sequel where they wouldn't end up together, but it wouldn't be sad. You know what I mean? Uh, uh Because I don't want uh them to be sad. I I want them to both get something good out of this. Right. Anyway, that's me. I think it's wonderful. Would you watch my sequel? (laughs) Sure. I'd watch your sequel. (laughs) Anyway, I would watch their sequel, too. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'm in it if they put another (laughs) one of these out next year, even though I'm sure they would not do anything resembling my plot. So, yep. Okay, so anything more to say about the movie before we do double feature recommendations? No. So for my double feature recommendations, um, I'm recommending first another Chad Hodge rom-com, which I mentioned earlier. I want to marry Ryan Banks slash the reality of love. I can't remember where I watched that, but I think it's available streaming, even possibly free somewhere. I'm pretty sure I got it even for free. And I recommend this because it's like a well-written rom-com. There is solid chemistry in this one. And I I hadn't seen a rom-com before that used a reality show as the backdrop, but it's such a natural backdrop for a rom-com. So I thought that was pretty cool. And just Bradley Cooper is really good in this movie. I think I want to say like Jason Priestley is also in this movie from 90210. Yeah. So I think it's just you get to see some interesting actors and, and pretty well done. It's not like, you know, high production values, but that's okay. I enjoyed it. So Chad Hodge wrote that too. Um, The second double feature recommendation is another gay Christmas rom-com. Now that I've read about these other ones, I'm kind of thinking they might be better ones, but like this one is called the Christmas setup and it is very like cheesy and tropey. And uh, I mean, it's, you only watch it if you like that kind of cheesy tropey thing, but it's got Fran Drescher from the nanny is the mom in this one. Probably the most famous person in the movie. And I I did like the chemistry between the two guys in this movie, but like the story itself was kind of absurd and they're pretending to be in Milwaukee, but it looks nothing like Milwaukee, which bums me out. Totally. Yeah. But, but it was fun enough. It was an enjoyable enough movie to watch and it would be a nice Christmas atmosphere to watch with single all the way. And then finally, um, I'm going to do a double recommend of two friends to lovers, rom-coms, some kind of wonderful or when Harry met Sally. Now, when Harry Met Sally has an obvious advantage of being at Christmas time, also for part of the movie. However, the chemistry is so good in When Harry Met Sally that you might feel disappointed when you watch Single All the Way. I, I mean, I, I think the chemistry me, in some man. kind of wonderful is good too, but like When Harry Met Sally is such a classic that like anything put with it for me is like going to suffer in comparison, except maybe something like Moonstruck, something like absolutely yeah. fantastic. I see. See, anyway. I. 
I'm not just not a big When Harry Met Sally fan. <sighs> I know. So I would totally watch some kind of wonderful over that. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah well, I either know. of them are friends to lovers rom-coms yes. that you could watch with another friends to lovers rom-com. Yeah. So how about you, Soph? What are your double features? Okay. So to keeping it in the vein of like Christmas rom-com, um, I put Happiest Season, which we talked about earlier. That's on Hulu with um, Kristen Stewart as the lead um, and then a fabulous ensemble cast. And then I put, okay, The Spirit of Christmas that you can see on Prime. Um it's a it's a Christmas ghost story, hmm. a Christmas love ghost story, and um, hmm. it's it's good. Is it the greatest? In well, in this genre, <laughs> no. You know, it again. I saw it a couple years ago, and I'm ready to see it again this year. Like maybe it's I'll watch the, it. Yeah, I'd go for it. You know, it was it was you know as they say harmless, and um, <laughs> it wasn't. It's I was pleasantly surprised. I would say. I guess because of how the genre is so, you know, all of the tropes and, you know, the bingo board and the whole night. So to watch it and be like, oh, okay. So um, that's the spirit of Christmas. Okay. The next one is um, the holiday in the wild with Rob Lowe and Kristen. I forgot her last name from sex Sex in the the city. City. Yeah. I forgot her last name too, but Charlotte in sex in the city, basically. Yes. Um, because it takes you, uh, to a different country and there's this whole, like, they're on a, um, elephant, like haven farm in Africa. And that was fun and cool and different. And that is a, a personal passion of Kristen's is she really does this Hmm. thing. And, um, so I like that for personal element and, um, it's also on Netflix too. So you could easily, if you have Netflix, Netflix, you can watch them back to back easily. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, um, thanks for coming back for this one, Sophia. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And then in the new year, we're hoping to produce some really good shows. Hopefully we'll finally get around to the Gen X rom-coms and yeah. And, and maybe some musicals I'm, I'm thinking and, and much, much more. So yeah, be sure to check us out every romcom.com and subscribe to us on Apple podcast. And thanks for listening. Bye. See you later. Bye. Merry Christmas.